Welcome to SWAT MMA. It's episode 174. I'm Jared here with Paul. What up? Today we're going to be talking all about Conor McGregor, USADA, celebrity slash influencer boxing, and the impact all of these things are currently having on the combat sports world in general. Before we get to that, you know what time it is, so grab that stash, fire it on up. Let's get into the weed of the week. Smoke weed every day. What All you got right. fired up, Paul? So today we have, you know, I figured this would be a fitting strain for the uh, MMA theme here. So I got I picked up some of this gravels. Um, so what this is is uh, indica uh, dominant strain crossed with Gary Payton and apple. So I've never even heard of this strain before. This yeah. is brand new to me. Um, this one's uh, coming in at a fucking hefty. 36%, which will fuck your whole life up. You said 36% THC for real? God damn, that's very impressive. Yep. It's uh, by West Coast Cure. Mm. Um, I've not had their, any of their strains yet, but no, I, I have smoked Gary Payton, and that shit <laughs> usually is pretty hefty, and it puts yeah, you I like down that too. Gary Payton. Yeah. I like that shit so far. You got them Supersonics colors on right now, almost. Yeah, close enough. Close. Close enough. Yeah. Oh, shit, that's nice, man. Mm-hmm. What else we got? I got a little Tangerine Dream over here in the uh, tray. And we had a little bit of lake effect we were smoking on earlier. Nice. Yep. Let's go ahead and uh, while we're getting high on some drugs, let's talk about <laughs> drugs. Uh, the big news across MMA this week was the United States Anti-Doping Agency making a public statement uh, saying that they are done after December 20, or 31st with the UFC, and they basically blamed it on the Conor McGregor situation, uh, saying that the UFC had been trying to get exemptions for McGregor. They did this the same day McGregor re-entered the testing pool. Yeah, which, uh, it was uh, like almost like back-to-back announcements. It was like yeah. 10 minutes Oh, McGregor's back into the pool. Ten minutes later, oh, USADA's out of the UFC. Well, when USADA made their announcement, they used the McGregor announcement to then back into the fact that they were leaving. And from what I just read, Hunter Campbell says uh, that McGregor had his onboarding call with USADA. They Mm -hmm. have some sort of process once you re-enter the pool. You have some sort of onboarding telephone call, okay? And then literally five minutes later, they released their statement. They said in that show that they had already had the statement drafted and ready to go before any of this nonsense with McGregor re-entering the pool that they're trying to spin it as now. Yeah. I think it's all a bunch of bullshit, to be honest, because I think USADA has had tons and tons and tons of just weird scenarios where they've either destroyed careers of some of these fighters and or altered them based on science that would then shortly after be, you know, modified like the whole John Jones situation, you know, you got the whole Tom Lawler situation, Jessica Penne, you have uh Alex Alexander Volkanovsky we'll talk about later in the show. Josh uh, Barnett. Yeah, Josh he Barnett sued for two years. Yep. Cleared his name and they never even issued a public statement about it. Even Nick Diaz at the beginning of the USADA program, uh 
had two violations for not reporting his whereabouts. Like, this whole reporting the whereabouts thing, the drug test, uh, even Paulo Costa. Paulo Costa was uh, tested at 5 in the morning, the day of weight cuts. Uh, Volkanovski was tested at 3 in the morning, the day of weigh-ins. Like, th- that kind of shit is just not conducive to, to like, catching cheaters. You know what I mean? You're not going to catch a cheater at 5 a.m. during a weight cut before the fucking fight. Like, come on. What drug are you taking? What steroid are you taking, you know, 24 hours before a fight that are going to make such a difference in you know, inside the cage that USADA needs to show up to your house at 4 a.m. before a fight that's going to be, you know, at 10 p.m. the next day and, you know, ruin your sleep cycle, ruin your, you know, uh, or interrupt your weight cut and shit like that. Dude, they uh, forced Tim is... Kennedy to shower naked in front of their their urine collector. They, uh, you mentioned faulty science. Let's take the most public case that the most casual MMA fan has heard of, and that's John Jones and the picograms. Yeah. Now that very situation is not of at at, at fault. The exact same thing happens. He doesn't even get tested for that, mm-hmm. and. Hunter Campbell released some sort of statement that a Dr. Eichner, I believe I'm pronouncing that right, has basically come out and said now that studies show that like um, tainted supplements and the substances that they're tainted with, they can literally show up with the picograms years later. They've proven it now. on test. They've tested subjects years later that are still showing positive for the same picograms that they proved came from tainted supplements. Yeah, they said up to almost like a lifetime's worth of uh, uh, tests. But the thing is, too, I think that when you talk about USADA, is also you have to look at their uh, punishment in which and how they punish the guys. Whether it's incredibly it's, you unfair. Know, their whole Olympic cycle suspensions, whether it's like two years, four years, eight years, that's just not – doesn't make any sense in the world of fighting. You know, these guys – are already faced with such a small window of opportunity to begin with, and then you, you put them on the sidelines two years, four years, eight years, like, that's just ridiculous. I mean, let's think about it this way. Although he's come back and things have been great and, you know, he's still the greatest of all time, let's imagine John Jones took those, you know, what, now close to four years that he was fighting back and forth with USADA and a litany of you know, situations with them. Um, let's say he came back and he got knocked out by Sorogon or he got, or even, let's take it even further back, he gets knocked out by Alexander Gustafson the second time they fight. Like, that's the kind of shit that nobody talks about. It's it's always, the punishments are, are always just, but it, they just aren't always. You know what I mean? It makes no sense to take the Olympic model where you have competitors who compete every two to four years. So those suspensions make sense because that means you're out one round of competition, basically. And then apply that to athletes who compete around three times a year on average, some more, some a little less. Yeah. I mean, if you apply the same model, they should be out one competitive cycle, which would literally be a fight or two. Yeah. Not six years. months to a year makes sense. Two to four makes no sense. It's been a terrible flawed system since the beginning, and people like Luke Thomas are simply being proven right, and he's been on anti-USADA from the beginning. And right now, basically all of his stances have been proven 
true for the most part. And, yeah. and his overall stance is, is, I think, um, been proven the correct one. I was never a fan of this. And that doesn't mean we want athletes to be all fucked up on drugs. But this isn't the yeah, way no, to go about it. Yeah, no, I'm not asking for juice heads. I'm just saying at the same time, there there's certain things in which, you know, you have... We'll just go back to Conor McGregor. He's a perfect example. You know, he has a compound fracture of his leg. He ends up having an agreement with USADA that he leaves the pool. He takes some supplements and, and stuff that, that is going to improve the healing time uh, for his, his bones <laughs> to, to mend back together. And now they want to use that to say that he's trying to do some kind of anabolic steroids to cheat and he shouldn't be allowed to fight until six months and, and he gets all that out of his system. Like, it's not, it's not about that. It was never about, you know, trying to, uh, like, enhance his performance in any way. It was about healing. Right, and, and now they that, knew this. Yeah. And also, Conor McGregor was also one of the most tested athletes in the UFC prior to this. And he was taking all of these supplements under the best medical care that money can buy. And also under USADA supervision. They're acting like he was doing shady deals in the backroom gyms with gigantic bodybuilders to get yeah. secret juice so he could look buff. Mm -hmm. Like, that's and, not the fucking situation. Well, not only is it not the situation, but like I said, the, under their supervision. It was something that was a plan that then, that, no, sorry. Not only uh, Connor, but the UFC and USADA all got together, and he was super transparent in what he was doing to, you know, facilitate his ability to actually heal and come back at a hundred percent. We've seen all these guys that have come back from these uh, compound fractures and just not been able to ever look the same again. And yeah. that's part of the problem. Is and uh, going back to something Luke Thomas had said before, um, and quoted uh, Hunter Campbell, the UFC wants to have some kind of window of opportunity for guys who face these major injuries to get the medical care they need without having to face, you know, these lengthy suspensions. Yeah, Hunter Campbell also came out with that statement that they're, they're open to the idea of athletes being allowed to take these required, these things when they have these devastating injuries, which is just common sense. <laughs> and <coughs> so they have a new... <laughs> new company coming in to handle the anti-doping. They've hired a former uh, FBI agent with the last name of P. Rowe, who's apparently got impeccable credentials as far as his integrity goes yeah. to oversee this whole thing. And we don't really know what that's going to look like yet, but Novinsky himself has come out. Jeff Novinsky, you know, handles the drug testing side for the UFC, for those that aren't aware. And he's come out and said that the Olympic model certainly doesn't work. Yeah. And so I don't think we have to worry about these insane four- and two-year suspensions being a part of the new system. And most likely, there's not going to be this whereabouts app yeah, thing, I would hope, because that was my one of my big problems from the beginning, was that's insane. Imagine living your life where every time you went somewhere, you had to notify a drug testing company. Yeah. You're going to go to California on vacation. You're going to go over to the store. You're going to fucking go work out here. You're always texting... Or doing things on the drug testing app. That's yeah. that's nuts. Well, so hopefully those will be gone. And what we can hope for, Paul, to wrap up my point is just these guys should have to show up at a certain fucking time and piss in a cup or take a blood test or whatever it is they determine, and then that's it. 
And their, their level of responsibility should stop there. And if they're finding some way to cheat the system, that falls on the drug company to fucking beat that with their testing. That's the whole point of this shit. Yeah. You, you can't invade their personal life like this to try to catch them sneaking. Just, mm-hmm. just fuck that. Do your job. They show up. They pee. You do your job. You test. And we can all move on. And it's not like uh, in the sport of boxing or any of these other combat sports that USADA is one someone that has like, you know, cleaned like don't get me wrong there's a, there was a drug problem in mixed martial arts when USADA came in and that that's undeniable but to say that what their practice were their practices within their their time with the UFC were just all perfect is just crazy well and i'm going to be echoing Luke Thomas's statements here paraphrasing a bit we have USADA's been with the UFC for 8 years so we have injury statistics yep. prior to USADA, and we have eight years of injury statistics after USADA. And Luke Thomas, I'm going to echo this, show me the stats that says that they improved any of that, because that's what we're told. This is for fighter safety. What if somebody gets hurt? What if somebody dies? Yep. We have to make sure everybody's safe. Well, then we should see noticeable difference after eight fucking years on injuries. They should be an impact. They say, look, this is what we've done in the sport of mixed martial arts. This is us before. This is us after. Look, drug testing has made this a safer sport. Yeah. There's not a shred of it. There's not one fucking thing that they can point to. Yeah. I don't think so. by any means anything safer. What are we doing then? Yeah. Yep. And I, I do think that another kind of layer into all this is the statement they made where they kind of, you know, passed the buck on to uh, Conor McGregor for, you know, all this mess. I think that if I was him and his team, that I would definitely pursue some kind of defamation case uh, against USADA because that's just, it's just childish. It's, well, the UFC's threatened it. Hunter Campbell's come out and gave him a deadline to retract that information or face legal action. And they came out and said, we stand by our statements, and that was the only thing. Because they really threw him under the bus. Yeah. Uh, they do make it sound like Connor's up to no good. And honestly, there's a lot of people who think that this eye test is a real thing. And that just because Connor is bigger now that he must be taking steroids. And that's not applicable in my bro science mind. I'm not going to claim to be any expert on this. But let's get real here. It's not... You don't need steroids to put on 15 pounds of muscle unless you're already maxed out for your body weight and your body size. You know what I mean? If you're a fucking bodybuilder who's 285 and you somehow managed to magically put on another 40 pounds of muscle, you're probably using steroids. If you're a dude that weighs 160 and you get up to 175 and you maintain a low body weight, you're not – that doesn't mean you're on fucking steroids. Yeah, and I don't even think he's he's put on 15 pounds of muscle. He's probably put – little like 10 pounds of muscle on and then you know just some mass in general just let's just stop he he's not abnormal he's not a heavyweight now then we'd be like oh shit look connor's 220 or oh fuck he's on let's not even take it to that extreme he's not even a 185 pounder no it's it's, he's he's not he's not a he's not even to be honest like he's not even a 170 he he should still be fighting 155 like the the size is not something that is just like so like oh wow Conor McGregor went went to summer camp one year and came back fucking twenty pounds heavier and is fighting up two weight classes. Right, he's not. It's not like one of like actors who definitely have been known to take steroids to get ready for a role. It's not illegal, but you got some guy who's never been buff at all, and then suddenly six months later he's fucking ripped and gigantic. 
Well, yeah, that's probably he used some roids yeah. to bulk up forty pounds, things like this. But those those are uh, abnormal changes. Yeah, y- you know what I mean. But if a guy goes from a buck fifty to a, a, a buck seventy, just stop. That's just not stop. insane. It's not. It's just not applicable. I'm, I'm tired of it. Yeah, super tired. Yeah, so I think the UFC will be better off in the end. Yeah, I do too. I think that they've learned their lesson on a lot of these things, and for once, they will do some things better. I think it's still going to be flawed and probably be fucked up in some ways. But if yeah. they get rid of these ridiculous punishments, they allow a window for athletes who've been hurt very badly and get rid of this whereabouts thing, these would all be pretty positive. Yeah. The whereabouts thing is ridiculous. I just think that... And the fact that you could get suspended for the whereabouts thing was even more ridiculous in my mind. Because you didn't tell us where you were? <laughs> Come on. Well... This USADA news that came out, Paul, was really the end of a whole series of major announcements to the the UFC, (laughs) most notably around the upcoming pay-per-view, which is number what? Uh, UFC 294. And that's the one in Abu Dhabi that was formerly headlined by uh, Islam Makachev defending his title in a rematch against former champ Oliveira with a um, co-main that saw Polo Costa taking on Kamzat Chimeyev at 185 pounds. Mm-hmm. And then everything went crazy. Polacosta got staph in his elbow or bursitis, had to have like three surgeries. He's out. Mm-hmm. Who do they pick, Paul? Kamaru Usman, which I think is ultimately the worst matchup for Hamzat in this situation. At 185. 185 though. as well. With the winner getting a title shot, supposedly. Mm-hmm. And that's a whole other conversation. Supposedly, Israel is walking away from the game and all this shit. Yeah, he said he's not going to fight again for a long time. Yeah. Um, so, with that being said, how do you feel about this? I'm torn. A, I don't know how either of these guys gets a title shot off beating the other. I don't know how Chimeyev earns a shot at middleweight by beating the former welterweight champion in a short notice fight. And I don't know how the former welterweight champion gets a shot at the middleweight title by beating a guy whose last fight was against Kevin Holland a year ago, who's making his debut essentially now in a new weight class, although I know he's had fights there before, but in the UFC he's really been focused on 170. Am I, am I wrong? Yeah, you're right. I mean, I know why... They're saying this because Dana White really wants Chimeyev to get the title shot because he sees dollar signs. With and him then as also champ. he can also sell in in the case that Kamara wins, he could also sell a rematch between Strickland and Kamara Usman that makes sense on paper and also Usman's already has a built in fan base. He already is like a former champion and someone who's seen in the at least in the hardcores uh, and honestly, he's had some commercial success as well, I'd say, uh, with fans. So I think it's just, it's they know that those are the two, like, let's be honest. Although he's a good fighter, although he's deserving of the title fight, Drake's Duplessis without Israel Adesanya attached to his name in that title fight is not as sexy of an option as someone like Chimeyev or Usman. It's unfortunate because he's the clear 
number one contender. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's petty Dana White bullshit because the the kid ref, or the guy refused to fight with an injured foot on a short notice against Israel Adesanya. It's fucking retarded. It makes me angry, but it is what it is. There's no changing it. That's how the UFC operates. They don't hand out title shots based on on merit, and that is what's going to happen. I, as far as the fight goes, I mean, I have no idea what Usman looks like at this weight. Yeah. I mean, it's going to boil down to the wrestling. Well, yeah, I All mean, right. I feel like that's going to be the X factor in this fight. And Can, you know what I, I, I'd like to really compare this matchup to is I think it's going to go very similar to how Burns and Shemayev went because we we knew Burns had a high-level grappling, like, you know, um, repertoire whether it's jiu-jitsu or just his his wrestling in general and you kind of have that same idea with Usman. Usman you know he's a he's an elite elite grappler maybe not on the jiu-jitsu side but on the wrestling side. Which what is are his all... wrestling credentials? I forget about them sometimes. Uh, he's fucking uh, three-time All-American college All-American was an alternate for the Olympic team. Can he stop Chimaev's takedowns? You think? I think so. Yeah. I think so. I mean, Burns did a pretty good job of that, right? Yeah, Burns did a good job of it. And, and Burns, comparatively to Usman's wrestling, yeah. is not on the same level. Am I, I don't wrong? think so, no. I mean, at yeah. least with their accolades, they're not. I mean, yeah, accolades-wise, yeah, no. no. So, ha- and we have not seen Shemayev against an elite American wrestler yet, no. have we? Uh-uh. Okay. But I will say that the way in which... Both of them wrestle is very different. Um, I'd say Chimeyev is more of like a Greco-Roman style wrestler where he he has good top control. He looks for big, um, you know, big velocity, big like momentum level like takedowns. You know what I mean? You're not going to see him like... What we do see a lot in Kamara Usman's fights is him work for his takedowns. You know, he's yeah. going to give you a single leg up on the cage and he's going to work you down and there's just really nothing you can do about it. Chimeyev is more of a, I'm going to take you down in the open mat and I'm going to throw you fucking over my head, slam you, and then, you know, impose my will. And Kamaru is more of a, a much more calculated, much more like educated grappler, I would say, in how he... Out, how he like gets a takedown. He's not always worried about the first shot. He's a big shot, get stuffed, reshoot, okay. work work the cage, work the um work the body on your way down. Well, I mean, I think we saw that a lot with his fights against Colby Covington and Tyron Woodley, where it was like when they were in grappling situations, he was able to use some of his striking and dirty boxing to like open holes in his grappling game, and. I don't know. This is going to be very interesting. It's very, very interesting on the grappling side. And that's why I kind of, what I was alluding to before, um, why I feel like it's going to go down like the Burns from my fight. I think it's going to end up being a firefight because both guys are going to kind of cancel each other's wrestling out. Mm. And it's going to be who's got what next. Well, when it comes to the striking, I mean, Shemayev's got two inches in height. Usman's six feet. Shemayev's six two. However, Usman's got an inch on reach. Usman's 76, which may have 75-inch reach. So Wait. I don't know if the size is really going to come into play. Usman's 6... Oh, I thought, I thought you said Usman was 6'2". No, Usman's 6 feet tall. Is he 6 feet? According to Wikipedia. 
I mean, he doesn't seem like it. I thought he was like 5'9". Yeah, that's, so I maybe thought I'm he was like, Woodley. I, I was thinking like he was like 5'10". But I mean, 10. yeah. Now that's the Wikipedia page. I'm, I didn't double check. And I'm assuming that that can be somewhat accurate. Yeah, I was thinking that the the height differential was going to be a lot more substantial. Like, right. I thought uh, Usman was more like 5'10", and Chimaev was about 6'2", 6'3". Um, but yeah, I don't. The thing is with Usman is he's he's got a real like wiry body. You know what I mean? Like he has like long limbs, long legs, long arms, and it. Is kind of show like the way he grapples, kind of like you could tell he has like he's got more of a stocky body and he's got you know he's kind of like a spider kind mm-hmm. of in that way, and that's that's a, a lot of how he grapples too. He's he's big on you know the like low level body lock holding you up on the cage, you know shit like that. Well, I'm definitely gonna be rooting for Kamaru Usman here. Yeah, me too. I. Shamayev's a good fighter. I can't stand him. I hope he gets his ass beat. Uh, and to be honest, I wouldn't mind seeing Kamara Usman be the, the champion at 185 pounds either. No, he's fought Strickland back when Strickland was trying to be a welterweight a long time ago, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that, that Sean Strickland's not the same Sean Strickland today. He's not, but you I. You know what I mean? But that same Sean Strickland has ultimately had his worst performances against high level grapplers. Yeah, true enough. You know what I mean? True enough. Well, I don't know what else to say about that fight. I think you you pretty much broke it down perfectly. <clears throat> yeah, I think so. Um, there was another, again, bam with the news. We have uh, Oliveira getting a wicked cut in sparring over oh, his so eyebrow. Uh, and having to pull out of his title fight with Makachev at the top of the card. And then, of all people... Alexander Volkanovsky, the featherweight champ, is stepping up on 10 days short notice to rematch Makachev in a fight most everybody thinks that he won, which is why even in the UFC's pound-for-pound rankings, he's still ranked above Makachev, despite technically having lost a split decision to him. Yeah. Um, Now, don't get me wrong, there's plenty of people that think Islam won that fight as well. He's got a wide fan base. It's probably 50-50 split. It was a a great fight. Yeah. Problems that I see here, Paul, are on October 5th, there's a video on social media of Alexander Volkanovsky out partying at a lake, and he's wanting to, his buddies and his gym mates are wanting him to jump into the lake. He's like, I can't. I've got stitches. He's got fucking like five stitches above his eyebrow hmm. that are so fresh he didn't want to jump in a fucking lake with them. And this was as of October 5th. Also, which you also have to... Uh kind of fold in there also he's coming off a major uh wrist injury which he didn't he get surgery on his wrist he did yes um and this and is 10 days notice also because this fight originally was supposed to be Volkanovski versus Islam uh and he said that he couldn't make it like couldn't make it back in time so i wonder if that's kind of something that had happened cuz we had already gotten the announcement that Iliad's Pora and Volkanovski, we're going to fight early next year. Right. And then this all comes down, and then uh, I think it's just with all the circumstances that, that fold in, I think the first fight, the the whole deck was stacked against Volkanovski, and I think even more now 
the deck, the whole deck is stacked against him in this situation. I mean, the only thing he's got going for him is he doesn't have to cut weight, I'm assuming. Because he doesn't seem know, like man. a guy that really gets up too big. Yeah, but you're also talking about a guy who's coming off surgery, not training as much. Like, what is he looking like? Fuck, he's I don't like, know. literally, like, the idea that he's coming off the couch is so much more in this situation. Like, he's really coming off the couch. I mean, I, I'm I'd be openly rooting for Volkanovski here too. I just feel like that's a that's a tough out, but maybe it's not. Maybe, maybe the pressure's gone. Maybe he can just do his thing. He's already fought this guy before. Mm-hmm. He knows a lot more what to expect now. He's got the advantages of the rematch, the prior experience. He yep. ended that fight. The fifth round ended. He was winning. Mm-hmm. You know. Also, something a uh, little anecdote is that this is. The first rematch between two unified champions. That's very interesting. Yeah. It'd be fucking wild if he wins. Man, if Usman and Volkanovski both win in Abu Dhabi, I mean, what a night. Because this is home turf. Yeah. For basically for Islam and mm-hmm. for Chimeyev. Not only that, it's not only home turf, but they've been, they're the ones who've been in the, in the gym. They're the ones who've had a full training camp. They're mm-hmm. the ones who've, you know, Although, you know, it's two very different opponents that both of them are facing, I would say, in, uh, um, like, game plan-wise, I do think that the skill sets in which people believe that Makachev and Shemiv both uh, have should be able to win a fight against somebody at any level that are coming in on 10 days' notice. Because people hold hold both those names up in such high regard Yeah, that if they can't get the job done, I feel like it's even more like take all the, you know, 10 day nose shit out already. The, these guys on a full camp in a lot of people's eyes should be able to beat Volkanovski and Usman. But now we're talking 10 days notice. You better make it, better make it look good. I know Makachev is so much bigger than Volkanovski too. Yeah. He's way bigger. Yeah. So that's I mean that's a noticeable size difference between those two men. Frame alone is just like way different. Yeah, but Volkanovski, man, he just brought it to him though, man. And also he was able to fight, bro, to snuff out all his all his submission attempts. There was, you know, what was it, the second round of that first fight where we had I think it was either the first or second where we had uh, Makachev fully on Volkanovski's back. For over two and a half minutes and not being able to secure any kind of choke or any kind of submission at all. Yeah, that's. I mean, the odds here. You know, they're favoring these guys, but not that crazy. I mean, Makachev right now is averaging around minus 250. Mm-hmm. All right. And Volkanovsky is running around plus 200 or so on average. While Chimeyev is cruising in around plus, or excuse me, minus 270. And we've got Usman's average around mm, plus 220 or so. I think about Mike. I might go put some money on Usman then. Uh, here's the thing. Dude, Tim Elliott's a plus 400 at some books. What's the Johnny Walker and Arkolaev? Uh, plus about 280 average or so, give or take, on Walker. Minus Ooh, I like that. fucking 370, 380, 360 on Magomed. Dude, I'll, I'll take that right now. 
wonder if you, you could parlay probably Walker, Usman, and Volkanovski for some big bucks. That might be a good idea. That might be the bet of the weekend. It might be. I mean, if that cashes, that's going to be pretty sweet. I can check sweet. that right now, I'm pretty sure. Because I have uh, Caesar Sportsbook up. <clears throat> do, 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 do. Yeah, that's the thing, too, is, man, this idea that they're just so good. You know what I mean? Like, I, it fucking pisses me off sometimes, man. Like, the level at which they hold Islam and, and uh, Chamayev sometimes is just like. I think a lot of it is. Ugh, makes me it's just rabid fan times. bases. I mean, I, I don't like the way the UFC props up a lot of these guys with these very questionable associations and questionable, a lot, just a lot of questionable things outside of the cage. And they just so they just want those ducats. It doesn't matter. The UFC does this over and over again. I mean, you know, we used, I often joke about, you know, Brendan Moreno yeah. and some of these other guys <clears throat> that they're just, please, please, can we have a Mexican champion? They're like, mm-hmm. they're so thirsty for it, not because they're like, we love and we want to promote that culture, it's because they want that money. And they believe these rabid fan bases are there, and they're really thirsty for an Islamic champion, not because they want to promote some sort of equality or whatever. They just want those dollars over, dollars over in Saudi Arabia as much as yeah. they can possibly get in that area. Am I wrong? I mean, you're right. Um, so with that three-leg parlay... Walker, Usman, Volkanovski, you're looking at plus 3,700. Plus 3,700. Yeah. So put 100 bucks, or sorry, put 100 bucks down, you win $3,800. So that's so a $10 bet's going to net you about 380. Mm-hmm. That's worth 10, 20 bucks all day long. 20 yeah. bet's going to be what? It's almost 700. Yeah, 767. Yeah, yeah, that's it right there. That's the bet of the card. I'm going to do that. Volkanovski, Usman, Walker. I'm bet. I'm. I'm. I got a. I got a twenty on that all day. All day. Yeah, that's day. well worth the risk. Twenty bucks. Yeah. Yeah. On a payout of over seven hundred, if it happens, let's do it. Yeah. I'm on it. All right. Let's wrap up the show with this final topic because I think there's a lot going on. It's not necessarily the fights so much that deserve to be broken down or discussed in any way, although we will talk about it. But we had this this goddamn misfits boxing card over the weekend <laughs> yeah. where we saw KSI take on Tommy Fury and we saw Logan Paul take on Dylan Dennis at the top of this card. And I watched the top two fights. Uh, I did not pay for that card. You watched the whole thing? Did you pay for it? No. Okay. I didn't, and like like our account tweeted, or whatever they call it now, that it's X, but, you know, watched that, and I I didn't pay for it, and I still feel ripped off. Yeah. These were, these two fights at the top, as a general consensus on the two, were awful. Mm Mm-hmm. They were some of the worst combat sports I've ever seen. I've seen better shit at tough man contests in my local fucking area. Yeah. And I'm not joking. I'm not trying to talk shit. And I don't understand what's happening. I don't understand how they're selling out arenas. They're getting these commentators to come on and who can't even call it for what it is. 
They got to act like we're watching the second fucking coming of Ali Foreman. Not only that, just like the level of bias in which they had towards both men who were uh, partnership in mis- misfit boxing between KSI and Logan Paul. Like, Yeah, it's a prime event. They're yeah. the faces of prime. Misfits is KSI shit. And the commentators were, what, sucking their dick? Yeah, might as well have been. Okay, let's let's talk about Dylan Dennis versus Logan Paul for a minute. This made no sense from the beginning. Mm-hmm. A, I mean, I know they somehow managed to weigh in somewhat near each other, but Logan Paul's a lot bigger dude than Dylan Dennis is. Yeah, for sure. Dylan Dennis is striking in his two MMA fights a was some of the worst that I think has ever been seen. Yeah, he's a, a very talented dust. jiu-jitsu artist. Yeah. I didn't under, I don't know why he's doing this boxing thing. And he landed I mean obviously Skrilla. for the money, but I don't get his appeal as an opponent other than the fact that guy's troll game is on point. Oh yeah. Like Without that dude. A doubt. He dude, you're a champion on social media, bro. Yeah. During the fight, at one point I think it was the sixth or fifth round or some shit, he landed like nine punches. Yeah. I mean he hung in there. He didn't get knocked out. He went for a crazy double leg takedown and a choke. He winds up losing by disqualification. Melee breaks out in the fucking ring. Mm-hmm. Security everywhere. Security started fighting each other. Security <laughs> fights each other. <laughs> what the fuck was that? <laughs> and I mean, he's trying to spin it as what? A moral victory because he's like, I'm not a boxer. I never boxed a day in my life and you couldn't even fucking hurt me or some shit. Yeah. Is that what he was saying? Yeah. What are your thoughts on that, that, that show <clears throat> that we saw with that particular fight? It was just terrible terrible technique and terrible boxing even even the highlights of the fight in which people i guess like were saying logan had <laughs> uh were just those like stupid sloppy flurries and everyone's like oh my god oh it's gonna happen oh the logan paul's going off and it's like no he's not he's the winging wild punches missing about 90 percent of them and glancingly landing about the the rest of them, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just like, it, not only was the commentary so biased, but they were just almost delusional in what they were watching at the level. Like, even Absolutely. like there was there were some times where Errol Hawani couldn't even like, who was you know he's been a pretty solid catalyst of this stuff this stuff getting to this level, um, but. <sighs> Even he couldn't stomach it. He was even saying, like, he was watching, he was like, yeah, that that's just a real novice-level boxing, that it, and that's what it's going to look like. He people need to understand what novice-level boxing is. He's not just using that term yeah. randomly. That is a classification of amateur boxer. Mm-hmm. It's the first yeah. classification of amateur boxer. Mm-hmm. Most of these guys that are professional boxers, that's the classification they held when they were, like, 10 years old. Yeah. Fact. Mm-hmm. But the stadium, this fucking shit is selling out. People are buying it on pay per view. Meanwhile, Golden Gloves is probably dying at this point. Yeah. And when I fought at Golden Gloves in Colorado in the championships, there was a three thousand people in the fucking thing. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you, and I'm not trying to brag. I'm just saying all the boxing on that card was better than anything that was on that Misfits card times 10. Yeah. 
but nobody's going to watch any talented kids do that shit. They're not. They weren't then, and they're not now. Well, and also and this shit's selling shit out and getting treated legitimately. That's what I was just gonna. And they're trying to legitimize themselves with with titles and and things like that. Like you know the first, uh, like I said, I watched the whole thing. So yeah. watching the four fights before that, you had a lightweight championship fight, a middleweight championship fight, and a light heavyweight championship fight. Leading into the two main events. So they're getting so, the Misfit title or Yeah, whatever. they're literally getting belts and handing out belts Bro. and, like, fielding a roster, basically, of fighters in every weight class and saying that they're the Misfits boxing champion. World champion of the Misfits organization. It's embarrassing. I think, in my opinion, that this is hurting combat sports. This is making a mockery of boxing. It's making a mockery of MMA. Yeah. I mean, with this Jake Paul kicking old MMA stars' fucking asses left and right, I'm fucking tired of it. Yeah. And Tommy Fury, who, I'm sorry, is a shitty boxer, yeah. but he's at least a boxer. He did well against Jake Paul, comparatively. Let's talk about that fight, KSI versus fucking goddamn Tommy Fury. Hugfest. It was a... That was all KSI can do, is yeah. wave his arms around and then do this lunging right hand, where if he misses, he hugs. Yeah. And honestly... Fucking Tommy Fury, so, so you know, low level that he was landing it too. Like he was, he, he did knew what land. Was he, everybody makes a big deal. He landed one clean shot on him in like the second or third round. It was his shining moment of the fight. Yeah, he knew it was coming, and he still was letting. Well, Tommy him Fury can't control his emotions, bro. Did yeah. you see how he fought? He fought like fucking Nate, Nate Diaz did. Like yeah. you've never seen a jab in your life. Like you yeah. don't know how to do a one, two, three. Like you have no fucking idea how foot movement works. Yeah. It was terrible. And, and that, that only happens because of emotions. Like, Tommy knows this stuff. I mean, I'm not going to say he's, he's like, great on a pro level, but you know how to throw a one, two, three, son. Yeah, yeah. Like, but he gets all emotional in there, and instead he's fighting like a novice fighter would who's fighting emotionally. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. And he, he and that's why he couldn't fucking put this dude away. And he gets lucky. I Dude, I turned it off because I thought KSI was going to win. I didn't yeah. even – I mean, I watched all six rounds, and then I didn't watch the decision. I was like, KSI probably didn't give him this shit. Yeah. And I just had enough. I was disgusted listening to these commentators talk. Like, we just saw some – like, we just saw something. Mm-hmm. Like, something that you, you should feel proud of watching. The two fights below the – the two main card fights with the, that slim and salt poppy dude, like that was the better fight of the night. That's and, a sad day in, on a boxing card when that's the best shit you got. And then below that, the lightweight fight was, was better than the main event also. And that's so, the thing, though. it's It kind of sucks for those guys. Because like on the undercard, you had a kid who was 19 years old who's had his, his fourth fight professional fight and actually is like, a legitimate boxing prospect, and he's he's fighting on this card, and so when you have those kind of guys not getting the rub they should, instead they're fighting on these misfit cards where everybody is seen as a YouTuber. They're not yeah. seen as a, a actual prospect. If you're 19 years old and you're a five and zero pro boxer, I don't care if it's on misfits or whatever. You have some obviously some level of skill like at well, 19 Tommy's 10 and 0. Yeah. Yeah, but Tommy's also fucking 30 years old. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like what are we talking? Yeah, that old, but yeah, I feel you. 
you know what I'm saying? You're you're a legitimate prospect. You're 19 <laughs> years old, five no oh, pro, yeah, pro boxing, whether you're fighting on misfits or regular boxing. Um, but when you are put on these misfits cards, you're automatically labeled as a YouTube boxer. You know what I mean? And, and that's just what it is. I I can't deal with these cards anymore, and this I mean I'm barely one. interested. I'm only happy about the fucking Tyson Fury Francis Ngannou fight because I like Francis Ngannou. Yeah, and I'm happy that he's going to get a payday instead of getting fucked by the UFC. It's more of the UFC's fault we're getting that, but at least unlike KSI, it's not like KSI is some mixed martial arts fighter. He's a decorated combat sports athlete or something. He's just yeah, a fucking YouTuber. He was a, a gamer a guy who got fun. reaction channels yeah. and blew up. I mean, I mean, kudos to them for making money with this shit. I mean, the entrepreneurial side of me, I, I mean, good, you're making money, but I just think it's much like we discussed last week about how the UFC is doing a lot to hurt the sport. I think that hurts combat. People look at that shit and they go, boxing's a fucking joke, man. Yeah. And it is to a certain extent, because you got to look at these pro boxing so the the pro boxing association who actually fucking you know sanction these as pro fights, like who would give you know a guy like Logan Paul who's now fucking what two and three or two Logan and Paul two? is well no you're counting his exhibitions he was zero and one officially going into this shit oh was he he lost okay, his I one thought fight he was one KSI one and one because he had like a draw with KSI too right. Yeah, a couple of those were, like, uh, not sanctioned. Hmm. His official record was that. But, yeah. Like I said, it's just... It's I think. Or is that KSI's? I don't know. Honestly, bro, I don't pay enough attention to these fuckers to know that <laughs> shit. Yeah. But I know several of them were exhibitions, and only a couple wound up being sanctioned for those two fucks. But now, if we're going to enter this realm, do you think, with that performance... That Jake Paul will be knocking on KSI's door to fight. Oh, yeah. That's the next logical thing they're going to do. What do these guys have left? Yeah. Jake Paul's running out of retired old men to beat up that are yeah. MMA fighters that don't know how to box. Mm-hmm. I don't know who the fuck's going to want to fight KSI. Yeah. I mean, didn't he just lose to that fucking other dude or he had his shit turned over? Because he, like, he knocked him out elbow. with his elbow, yeah. dog. Like the, that's the only time I'd seen him. I tuned in for that one to watch him knock a man out with his elbow mm-hmm. and then act like he didn't know that yeah. and then parade around like he won, even though he knew goddamn well you knocked him out with a fucking elbow, bro. What, do you, you have a loss of feeling in your body? Mm-hmm. Like, come on. So, I don't know, dude. I don't know. They'll probably fight each other, and it'll probably be some big deal. And <laughs> it'll be like the third biggest pay-per-view event of next year, and I'll just feel sad. Yeah, that's really what it's... It, and they'll Seems lap like all the way to the bank. Too. Guys yeah. like me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, for real. Well, we got the, you know, we brought it up again. We got the goddamn Fury and Gano shit now around the corner. Yeah. I mean, does be- this joke of a display hurt people's interest in what is essentially another almost celebrity misfit boxing look where we've got, you know, an MMA champion making his pro boxing debut against the best of his era? I don't know, because I think it's a little bit more legitimized. I think it is, too, but I, I do admit to my bias. When Gondor looked so bad in that open workout, I don't know. I mean, this is one I will order. I'm going to get that pay-per-view. I do want to see it. 
but I still think that Ngannou is going to wind up getting smoked here. I just don't know if this sucked some of the interest or life away from that or not. Uh, probably know. not. I don't know if the same audience is tuning in. Like, who's the Jake Paul KSI audience has got to be made up of their YouTube following mostly and these Absol- young kids. Yeah. You know. And the well, you can tell just based on the broadcast, they were all about all the different guys who were celebrities that were in the crowd and highlighting them and interviewing them, even though they none of them really watch fighting. Well, let's hope that maybe with the Jake Paul KSI bout that we're going to get, mark our words, sometime next year that maybe interest will dwindle off with this. I don't know what they'd have left after that. I don't either. Eventually you run out of people that aren't real boxers. And a real boxer not named Tommy Fury. I mean, Tommy Fury beat them already. Are they going to fuck with anybody better than him? No. I mean, the guy's got wins over both. Now, Are they going to go get a guy that could smoke Fury? I doubt it. So that's the end of that. Mike Perry. Those are the only other options, maybe. And I was surprised at that thing, too, because Logan's just a lot bigger than Mike Perry, too. But whatever. Yeah. Both these guys pick on guys a lot smaller than him. Yeah. Weird. Not surprised. Well, the highlight's definitely going to be the big UFC 294. To sum up, we're both about to go head to the sports book. Yeah. <laughs> and grab that. Uh, that three-way parlay, Volkanovski, Walker, and Usman. Good luck, everybody. Thanks for tuning in.